This is Recorded Future, Inside Threat Intelligence for Cybersecurity. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 146 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. Our guest this week is DK Lee. He's Information Sharing Operations Manager at the FSISAC, the Financial Services Information Sharing and Analysis Center. They're an industry consortium focused on reducing cyber risk in the global financial system and count over 7,000 financial institutions as members. D.K. Lee shares his insights on threat intelligence, along with his opinions on leadership, organizational maturity, and checking your ego at the door. Stay with us. Bit of an interesting road, I guess. I actually was a graphic designer for 12 years, I think. Um, went to college on in San Francisco. I was a graphic designer for various companies, skateboard companies, like a lot of action sport companies and stuff. And moved back here to pay off my loans, student loans, and living in San Francisco is not exactly uh, the most ideal thing. And worked for some um, consulting companies and stuff, doing some like, government work. And I was just really got bored with it and um, bought a house. And the 2008 crash market happened. So I needed something more, way more stable. Before I moved to San Francisco, uh, my best my best friend, he's been involved with IT security since he was like 16 or so. And I remember before I moved, he was like, you, you know, you should come do this with me. I was like, yeah, whatever. I don't, I'm not interested. But so he's always said that, you know, I should I should give it a try because, you know, I'll be good at it. And so when that happened, we talked again and he gave me a bunch of books, got a cert. And he got me my first job um, as a monitoring analyst for a government contract. So, yeah, that's how I got my start. It wasn't like something that I really like, like, this is what I want to do. It just kind of like I fell into it and mm-hmm. it just... Did you, did you enjoy it at the outset? Was it something that, that struck an interest in you or was, was it still work? In the very beginning, I did and I still do. It's, yeah. it's like a puzzle piece. You know, you're trying to figure out, you know, how to put, put things together and how things, you know, see where they where it happened and how it happened. So in that aspect, you know, it's very interesting. Um, I think that's one of the reasons that my friend always thought that I, I should give it a try just because, you know, I'm pretty, I guess I'm pretty decent at that. Coming from a different complete background when I was at work and when I first, even when I first started, it was, you know, my thought process was much different than what people are kind of brought up to do. So a lot of the, you know, outside the box thinking, so, you know, it, it was interesting. And um, as I progressed, you know, I, I pretty much dabbled in everything I could possibly do, you know, malware analysis, you know, analysis, like pen testing, everything. So um, it was, yeah, it's very interesting. And, you know, it's it's been a really interesting journey just because I, yeah, I always seem to just kind of fall into things <laughs> by chance. So, yeah, it's, I, I've been involved with um, obviously the monitoring portion and the sim content development and it's in response. Uh, my analysis and now it's just um, Intel I kind of just fell into it also um, I worked for eyesight for uh, the, for the in, internal security team and we got bought by fireeye and then like well we have their own and I kind of got thrown into the internal the Intel position kind of went from there is there any one aspect as you as you look at the things that you've done are there any in particular that are your favorite that you have enjoyed the most my own analysis is like super fun. Like if you 
sample. If you you're, you're getting like really cool samples, but it's also incredibly difficult because if you don't just don't know if you don't understand programming and not capable of really doing any kind of reversing, it's just not that fun. Mm -hmm. And I I mean I'm just not that smart to get down that road. <laughs> but uh, Intel has been very fun. It's been fascinating to kind of see the trends and um, tracking of different patterns and different teams and different actors. So it's, that's been incredibly fun. It's been really interesting. What is your day-to-day -day like these days? I'm more hands-off these days. I'm more of a manager. So I have a, I have, I have a group of well, smart guys, and I make sure that all the things are getting handled. And FSI, like we really rely on what the members send us. So the team is responsible for ingesting, processing, and distributing the information. So that's more of like managing that and um, making sure that contextualizing all the information correctly and creating new kind of reports based off on that. So, you know, we recently started like a biweekly like trend report for what, what the members are sending, kind of see the trends of, not particularly the trends of what's going on per se, it's just because what the members are sending is, it's not exactly like a good picture, but it's just more of a trend of what the members are really interested in sending out to see and the kind of questions they're asking. So it doesn't always coincide what's going on. You know, sometimes literally it's just like one person brings up DDoS and that's all they talk, you know, all they talk about and share for about a week. To watch that is also kind of interesting. I'm like, hmm. How would you describe your own leadership style as you're, as you're guiding that team? Um, leave from the front, you know, they always have to. Um, I guess a lot of people have been reading that, like the Chaco book, uh, Wilnick, um, Extreme Leadership. And I read the book and, you know, I, was, I agree what he said. Throughout my history of uh, having managers and directors, the best ones have always been the ones that who don't really just, you know, it's, they're the ones taking all the hits. They're the ones, you know, they're the ones that are leading from the front. They're the ones communicating properly to his team and pr properly to up, you know to his superiors. So to me, that's something that I am, I always looked at and I'm trying to do every day, uh, making sure that I'm communicating as clearly as humanly possible. And not just to the people on my team, but just to, you know, the people that I answer to. And so. What sort of attributes do you look, do you look for from your own team members? Curiosity, hard work ethic, people who really need to get answers. I don't, I don't, really enjoy people who's taking shortcuts to do things. Hmm. I need to get people who really want to get the answers. You know, it's not just because someone has said this. I want I want people that who really understand like the call you know, the I guess the who or why and all that kind of stuff. Like they want to know. It's not that it's their job to know. It's that they want to know. You know, I have a couple guys, the younger guys that they're just really thirsty about just knowledge. Yeah. They want to know why, and just constantly asking me questions, which I don't mind. You know, as long as they're learning from it and and they're coming out with follow-up questions, no problem. You know, and those are the kind of guys I look for. Um, they're and obviously work is work. I, I totally get that. So I'm not expecting everybody to, to spend all their time doing that. But while while they're there, I want them to be fully engaged and be you know passionate about what they're doing. Have that innate curiosity. Yeah. They yeah. want to know, you know, you always want to know, like, even when I was a kid, you know, you always want to know how the sun works and all that kind of stuff. Right. And obviously, as you grow older, you know, I still, you still need to question things. And especially in our field, there's a lot to question, you know, not, not, not just even intel, but just in security. There's just so much that, you know, to, to learn and to know. So 
um, I look for the people to whom wants to go. You know, the people who are kind of like, I know everything or I don't want to know. It's just not something that I want to deal with. Yeah. Not because they're bad people, but it's just like it's hard for the team to grow. What part does uh, threat intelligence play in the work that you all do at the FSISAC? Well, everything, actually, because just because that's our main function. I mean, it's the intelligence data that um, IOCs and all that kind of stuff that our members send. And our, it's our job to process that, too, and distribute that out. And we have, a, we have another team. We have a sister team within um, FSISAC. They're more of a strategic-based intelligence team. So they also take what we send, what the members send, and you know, they send out reports kind of based on that. So everything that we do... Um, it's based on quote-unquote intelligence. Um, what I think of security intelligence, I think, and I'm sure there are a lot of people who disagree with me because I've had disagreements about this uh, conversation. I don't buy into the whole intelligence-driven security. I don't buy into that it's just because I've been the other side of it where I truly believe that intelligence is a very, very important support element of everything. As operations, um, engineers, monitoring, incident response, vulnerability management, uh, red team, everything. But to leave, for that team to leave everything else, I don't buy into that just because intelligence is intelligence, right? But the growth of the operations has to be further along um, or equal to the intelligence. Because the fact that if you have a very mature or if you, a lot of companies spend a lot of money on intelligence, right? feeds and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't have the op- operational team to ingest that, to operationalize it, it's, it's a waste of resource. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the other way, while they're not getting a lot of data, but they still be able to function as a security operation without a lot of intelligence, would that hurt them? Yes. But having more resource, they will have more resources to do other stuff within operations. Um, so I feel like um, there are a lot of a lot of groups that spend a lot of money on Intel data, Intel feeds, Intel vendors without really coinciding with their own growth, of their operational organization. And, and that, to me, that's a huge mistake. and It's a huge waste of resource. Mm. Um, I've been in the other side. Where, you know, I've been in companies where they have every vendor that you can think of, every big vendor you can think of, right? But the only thing they're really using that is from CIOCs. This is low-hanging fruit. But what else do we really, do we, do we have the tools, the EDR tools or, or the security tools that could really capture what those analysts are writing about? The TDPs, how they're moving, how they're moving within laterally and all that kind of stuff. Do we even have any logs? If you don't, it's a lot of waste. How does a company or an organization or, or even a team properly calibrate themselves to know? I think scoping from the beginning or even, let's say, you're an older, older organization that wants to change their program. You really need to scope your whole operations. You know, like not just security, but even networking operation, right? So how does your network look like? Do you have good segmentations? What kind of tools do you have? Like, are they configured properly? Do we have the right egress points? Like, you know, so like you want to get a good foundation of a good network. Not a, not perfect, but at least a good network, some pr- proper segmentations. And okay, do you have the proper security tools around there? Do the endpoints have the right kind of 
tools that they collect, collect logs or even monitor. After that, you kind of understand what you have now, and then you, you think about what your organization is, right? So like, are you a finance organization? Okay, so that should have different kind of network segmentations than let's say you're in like a, a hospital, just because the crown jewels are much different. Mm-hmm. So you kind of scope out how big you are, how many people you have, and then you kind of think about how much intel, like other sources that you really want to bring in, right? Even then, because I've had a lot of experience when people are like, collect everything. Collection Right, right. (laughs) The the scoping what you have and Mm -hmm. what your company is, even just looking at your company will help out with the collection requirement. Because I've asked many people, what's your collection requirement? They're just like, everything. It's too hard to ask your Intel vendors or even your internal team to say to collect everything. It's just too hard. And it's too hard for them to say, look for all that kind of stuff here. So you kind of need to prioritize everything. It's the same thing as the, the, the vulnerability management talk I just saw. There's a lot of vulnerabilities, but you, have to, you, you can't actually expect your team to look for everything and pass everything right off the bat. So you need to prioritize that. So that prioritization is the, 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 the collection requirement. Is, is, there a, is there a formula for that or is that wisdom? I think it's a little bit of both, if you really think about it. Okay, how big is your company? Right. Okay. How many people do you have? What kind of stuff do you have? And that that is more of a formula, right? But then you have then you need to have the right kind of people who are looking at your network and looking at your company, like a, like a really good security architect and um, security operational manager, CISO, kind of all coming together. Um, engineers, vulnerability management team. If you you know if you got a big enough organization, all kind of coming together to looking at that and saying, okay, what do we need? Rather than, because I see a lot of people just like, well, we're going to just stack this, we're going to just stack this, we're going to just stack this, make this work. But if this one piece doesn't work, just putting this here normally doesn't work. And don't get me wrong, I've seen also some really good organization where that happened. And it took a while, but when you look at them now, it's like, well, that's like that is a well-ran organization. That's a well-ran team, you know, so. But maybe they had fits and starts along oh, the way. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I know what they did. Yeah. I know what they did. But it takes, I think, I, I truly believe that it takes the right group of people to, to come together, put all the egos aside, and say, let's all work together. It's, you know, I'm not bigger than you, you're not bigger than me, let's just put this all together and make it work. Because I've seen people like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that people are selling that, in my opinion, a lot of these organizations don't need. They're just not mature enough. They're not ready. They're not ready. There's no point for, those, for them to have X, Y, and Z yet. They could. And when they're mature, they should. But doesn't, you know, it's like race car, right? You certainly learn how to race. A um, lot, lot of the, like, pro drivers all learn from go-karts, right? Mm-hmm. Just because you know how to drive a go-kart at that age doesn't mean that you should go into a Formula One car right now. Let's grow into it, you know? And a lot of people need to kind of look at themselves and see where they're at. Some people don't think that. Some people, they think that they're way more uh, far ahead than they really are. And and that's that's a shame just because there's a lot of good people within that small organization that want to do right. They really want to do right. And that they're the ones impacted by it. Do you think any of this is is driven by compliance? I mean, I think about there's some. And the, particularly FSI sec. I mean, you're you're 
vertical has lots of compliance issues, requirements. Um, I mean, like, so I'm, I'm very lucky in that aspect, I guess. So I don't need to worry about it for from what my team does, right? Mm-hmm. What we have to worry about is the, the, the TLPs and making sure that um, we're abiding by our compliance of not sharing certain things, right? right. But that's a very small minute thing compared to everything else. For me, I don't have to worry about that too much, you know. Very limited on what we can do, what we can share, right, to certain people, et cetera, et cetera. So that, but that's very small. But I understand what you're coming from where these people are kind of forced by compliance to do things. I've got a box I can check. Yes. Yeah. But that's when I guess the right people need to think about, their people need to really think about is that, okay, does that box being checked more important than the rest of the organization. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think they could do both. Mm. You know, you, you don't have to just have something to just check a box. I think that checking a box could actually me- be very meaningful, just done in the right way. Not just buying something, plugging it in. You know, that checking that box could also be just fixing what you have, mm. right? Configure it properly. Yes, I see a lot of pre- people being pressured by compliance and saying, I need to have this check box, but there are better ways to go by than just buy something to check in a box. It shouldn't be about checking a box. Mm-hmm. It should be about improving your environment. What is your advice for organizations that are starting down this path who, who I would imagine feel as though they're at that moment of maturity when it's time for them to engage with threat intelligence any tips for them to sort of have a reality check? Don't wait till you're <laughs> breached, publicly embarrassed. <laughs> don't wait for that. Like I said, like I, I'm, I don't think all of them are bad. There, I think they're very. There are a lot of good ones, and there are a lot of good ones that there are a lot of people who want to do the right thing, but they don't have the right tools or finance or et cetera, et cetera. But I think where people really want to start is to look at your own organization to see, like, how well is it functioning. It's not just about, like you said, about compliance and checkbox, but, like, is your network really functioning as way it should be? Is your network doing a proper pen test and putting a proper red team? Is your, not just your network, but your entire organization, even people, is it properly done? Um, is it, are they properly trained? And I'm not expecting everything to be like, you know, perfect, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a good start to always kind of look in, look inside yourself and definitely have to check the ego. There really is a lot of ego in our industry. You know, I think all of us have some, but it's just that you have to be able to check that door just because if you don't, there's a lot of like, a lot of stuff that people just miss and kind of looking look at yourself and just being self-aware is probably the best thing to do. Um, it's, it's okay that you're you're not at this, like, super mature level, you know? Because a lot of people like to tout that, like, oh, we have the best security, you know? But you don't have to think that way. It's okay not, it's okay not to. It's okay to have, be humble about it. It's just because of the fact that it will help you with your growth. And at the end of the day, you're really trying to protect your own organization or your clients. Being cocky about it is not going to help that. Being humble about it, seeing where you need to improve within yourself every day is the best way to do it, in my opinion. Our thanks to D.K. Lee from the FSISAC for joining us. We sat down at Recorded Futures 2019 Our Fun Predict Conference in Washington, D.C. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Futures Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web, 
Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast production team includes coordinating producer Monica Tadros, executive producer Greg Barrett. The show is produced by The Cyberwire with editor John Petrick, executive producer Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. 